Hey, what's going on? It's John, and it's time for the J-Mart cast for Monday, June 13th, 2022. What's going on? How are ya, friends and family? It's time for another episode, and thank you for joining me yet again. Hope you've had a great week. Mine's been pretty good so far. I'm not going to talk too much today because I have a fun little interview with Len from the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast, who was gracious enough to spare some time and talk some Bitcoin with me. So that will be coming on in just a few short minutes. Just a quick update on the week. Uh, Let's see, kid update. Uh, One of my kids has learned to blow his nose, which is awesome. (laughs) Oh man, teaching the most basic things to children is just a hilarious uh, process because you never even thought of how to, you know, explain the most basic things such as blowing your nose. But anyways, uh, that was a big hurdle that we overcame. And so now he's got a little bit of a cold and is able to blow his nose and clear things and be able to breathe through his nose. Don't want my son to be a mouth breathing moron. Like some of you might, no, I'm sorry. I don't want to insult my listeners. You're not mouth breathing morons. You're smart people for listening to the J Mart cast and all that, but some of the people you might know are mouth-breathing morons that, uh, you know, when you're just like, you just hear the, (sighs) oh my God, bothers me so much as soon as I hear my kid doing that, I'm like, blow your nose, let's go. (laughs) Anyways, some major progress there, Uh, baby daughter's just learning to crawl, she's army crawling now, so that's pretty dope. Excited to see that she'll be uh, her hip flexors are coming on, coming online, and she's able to like fold her hips and bring her knees to her chest. So the actual crawling is going to be happening in no time. Pretty stoked about that. One minor hiccup that happened this week, somewhat minor, is kind of trending towards major, but luckily it's not too bad. I had a bit of a back injury at jujitsu this week. Oh man, it's all my fault, by the way. Uh, I was rolling with somebody who is like much heavier than me, probably close to double my size, like I weigh 155 pounds soaking wet. And this guy could not have been lighter than 250, probably closer to 300. Like at one point I was, uh, I got his back. I'm like, you know, wrap my body around his back and I'm trying to wrap my arms around his waist and his waist is so large. My arms literally cannot reach all the way around and clasp one another. So my hands can't clasp one another. So it's like, what the hell am I even doing with this guy? <laughs> anyway, I was able to mostly like hold him off and like, I got his back once or twice, but wasn't able to hold him down. And it was like five minute round, four minutes and 30 seconds have gone by. I'm like, all right, I've Defended tenaciously, prevented him from getting on my back. This is good. I Now it's just like 30 seconds left. Maybe I'll go for a throw. And if, if the throw doesn't go well, it'll be less than 30 seconds of him being on top of me. I can handle that. That was my thinking like at the four minute and 30 second mark. So I set up my throw. I go for a shoulder throw. And of course, he anticipates it. He sidesteps it a little bit. I'm still able to throw the dude the 300 pound dude, but instead of him like falling where I intend him to on the floor next to me, he ends up falling right on top of me. (laughs) And like that 300 pound, like momentum just comes down crashing on my back. And like almost immediately I knew like something was bad. (laughs) Oh man. Like the, the buzzer went off. We stopped uh, grappling and then I just like roll on my back and I'm just like breathing. <sighs> just it was it was so much pain. Luckily I was able to pick up the pieces and ride my back home and it was fine. And I was just basically moving my back as much as I could. I talked about this two or three episodes back. Movement is medicine. If you're feeling pain somewhere, try to find a way of moving that you know uh, doesn't feel doesn't trigger the pain. Right. First of all identify what is the triggering movement for pain in your back. Stop doing that movement specifically and then find movement solutions that accomplish the same thing while not doing the exact same movement that triggers the pain. Basically what I did, I was able to find that um, flexion of the back uh, was what was triggering my back pain. Although uh, like I could still flex my back. It's just if I did it slowly, it was fine. It was just more of like a quick jerky movements that 
triggered the pain. So I was just like, all right, I just have to take it easy, minimize how much back flexion I do, but still do some back flexion the way that it, I don't, I don't feel any pain. And so I've been doing that and it got better and better. And it was good because this happened on Wednesday and we, my wife and I and a friend, we were scheduled to do a run on Saturday morning. So we, we, uh, participated in this, uh, five peaks run, which was in Rattlesnake Point Conservation Area in Milton. We did a 8K run through the trail, which was fun. Actually, it was supposed to be 8K. And then at some point we, uh, uh, derailed off the trail. There's two runs. One was supposed to be 8K, one 13. Once we were like most of the way through the 8K at some point, we just got lost and went on the longer tra- trail and then did an extra like one and a half kilometers. So I think ended up being a total of nine and a half kilometers we did in 120, not 120, in an hour and 20 minutes. We we're going at a nice slow pace, which was nice. We were just kind of just enjoying the uh, outdoor nature scenery. We got good weather, which was good too. And by the end of the run, I was actually so warmed up. It was nice. I was feeling my back. I was like, oh man, this is great. My back doesn't feel nearly as stiff anymore. It feels good. I love it. And then because this was in Milton, we drove back to Toronto and on, you know, on a drive back, you're sitting, not really moving. My back stiffened up again. I started to feel it again. I was like, holy cow, I can't believe like what a difference it makes. You know, you move something in your body like a, for a good amount of time and the body body warms up and feels a lot better. And, you know, you, you almost forget that you have even had an injury. I had, I didn't even think I had pain. I was like rolling around on the grass doing like, uh, like practiced falls and, and jumps and stuff like that. No pain. And then I got home and I'm just like, Oh, like an old man, like leaning over, like holding my back with my hand, like, <laughs> but feeling a lot better. And, uh, I think I'm going to take a week off jujitsu, then get back to it. I should be healed by then. Anyways, so that was, uh, that was most of the week. And then the interview that I ended up doing with, uh, Len, who's the, one of the co-hosts of the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast, I did that earlier in the week on Tuesday. We went for a good solid hour just talking about, uh, how he came across Bitcoin, like why he thinks it's important. And we did a little bit of ranting about the general macroeconomic kind of, uh, environment and, just how things have come to this point. Uh, Len's known as the chief ranting officer, so he, he just went off on a for a good while there, and I hope you enjoy his perspective. And just before we go on to the actual conversation, just a quick reminder, if you have a spare second, please rate the podcast, whether it be on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever platform you're using. If it has a capacity to rate the podcast, please do so. Give the J-Mark cast five stars so that more eyeballs can get on this podcast and we can um, orange pill more people about what Bitcoin is and why it's important. And also, if you want to reach out and talk more Bitcoin or just health and fitness in general, because those are the two topics I'm most interested in talking about, please feel free to contact me, whether it be through social media. I'm at jmartfit on Instagram and Twitter. Of course, you can also uh, email me, uh, send an email to newsletter at jmartfit.com. I love getting emails. I respond to all of them. All right. With that all being said, here is my conversation with Len from the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast. Hello, friends and family, and welcome to another episode of the J Mark Cast. Joining me this week is another special guest. We got with us Len, aka the legend, the co-host of the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast, also sometimes known as the chief ranting officer, <laughs> and also known as the VTC price bot on Twitter. So if you don't follow him already, get on there and give him a quick follow. Also, of course, the podcast as well. So thank you so much, Len, for joining me on the JMart cast. No problem at all. I just realized now I, I carry a lot of different hats, <laughs> so to speak. So I, I should be trimming it down or adding to it. I'm not sure which way I'm going to be going. Uh, it, it depends on whether you can carry the the different uh, nicknames, right? You have to have a big personality to be able to carry the different nicknames. So as we'll long see. as the, the shoe fits or the hat fits in this case, I'll do it. But yeah, I think I could carry a couple of more. We'll see what happens with uh, transpires in the next few months. I could develop into something else. Maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more of a ranting officer. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yes. The rantings that go on on the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast will uh, continue as uh, 
every new like uh, kind of world news story somehow somehow has a bitcoin angle and uh, you guys are going to be drumming the <laughs> beating the drum <laughs> we're there every time there's a story out there that impacts bitcoin we'll be talking about it if it's a major news item and uh, it, yeah mm-hmm. this, the, the ties with bitcoin sometimes are really strong and we could just see it right in front of us we just want to make sure everybody else could connect the dots as well Mm-hmm. It's interesting, right? How once you develop the Bitcoin lens, then you can interconnect these things that sometimes didn't necessarily make sense before. Yeah, especially, you know, the way I look at things now versus a few years back. I mean, I've matured in so many respects. And mm-hmm. yeah, I can see things now much differently. And I'm actually very excited to see how I'm going to be looking at things in the future as I continue to mature in this field. Absolutely. Yeah. So how many, how many years back are we talking about? So let's, let's get into your uh, like orange pill story. Like how did you come across Bitcoin? Uh, was it, uh, so this is uh, something I mentioned in the last pod, last podcast, but it was the two ways people find Bitcoin is curiosity or pain. Which one is, was it for you? It was curiosity. So I could go back to when I first heard about it. I think everybody else is the same thing. It was in early 2012, 2013, somewhere around there, like Bitcoin became more, not really prominent in the news, but at least it was a, a news item that was dotted in whatever you listen to or read. So I, I mm-hmm. mean, I came across it then, but I didn't, didn't, I didn't do anything with it. I just kind of mm-hmm. left it to the side. Mm-hmm. And it really took until 2017 before I did anything. And that's when I first bought into, first bought some Bitcoin. And I did so. Um, after hearing my co-host buy Bitcoin, we were working together at the time. So Joey, mm-hmm. who's my co-host, first mm-hmm. got into Bitcoin a little bit before I did, maybe mm-hmm. a few months, something along mm-hmm. those lines. It was in 2017. Mm-hmm. And then I jumped on board shortly before the big run-up mm-hmm. up until December uh, 2017. So the reason why I got in was the number go up technology. But right. what really kept me here and it, it developed over time was the technology, what it's all about, the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing that's really dragged me in. But it took a long mm-hmm. time to get to that point. Initially, mm-hmm. it was number go up. That's what dragged me in. Gotcha. And it was Joey who was the one that kind of uh, convinced you to to yeah. buy some Bitcoin? Yeah. So he, he was talking about it with somebody else. So Joey and a person we refer to as Manny Monero on the show, mm-hmm. and they both bought into Bitcoin at the get-go. And mm-hmm. um, then they talked about it. And I listened to them talk about it. And I said, what the heck? I'm going to give it a shot. So I got in too. And at the time, I'm not sure what year you got in Bitcoin. Maybe uh, if you could just let me know, what, what, when did you first get into Bitcoin? Uh, serious, uh, like seriously into it was 2020. First, like I would say significant purchase was actually 2018. So but like that was just like a curious one-time purchase. And then I never like looked at it again for two years. <laughs> so you, you might have experienced the same problem we had when we were buying in 2017. Um, Coinbase was really the main exchange at the time. I was going to ask, sure what did you, you had use? The same problem we did where you can only buy a certain amount initially. It took you some time before you got enough, we'll call it clout mm-hmm. with Coinbase that they would enable you to purchase really? more within a given week. I had no so idea. The, so initially we were only able to buy $25 or $50. I forget what it was, but over time, as you develop a good rapport with them, you, you, they realize that you're not scamming them mm-hmm. or whatever. They, they then allowed you to buy more and more. And that, so that's the, you know, that, that was the whole progress that we got into it. And that's so strange. It, it, that's the way it was back then. We didn't have too many alternatives. Quadriga, I think, was still around at that point in twenty late twenty seventeen. So I remember uh-huh. that being uh, uh-huh. that name being thrown around. But yeah, I, I can't. I don't know the details of the when Quadriga exploded. But for those who haven't heard, but that uh, it, that was a Canadian exchange where the CEO, I believe, passed away, and he was the only one holding the keys to all the Bitcoin that the exchange Gerald was Cotton. in control of. Okay, am I am I getting that story right? Yeah, Gerald Gerald Cotton was the the gentleman that was uh, running it and um, went to India, passed away from Crohn's disease. Um, so that was essentially the story. And there's some questions to do with uh, what happened. And uh, yeah, so it looks like 2018, it, it might've went down just looking briefly online. Just I'm just mm-hmm. skimming the article. So I could be wrong about the date, but yeah, at yeah. the time, so we were buying Bitcoin. I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't a great deal. It was through restrictions imposed on us by Coinbase and wow. also at that time, there was no mechanism to sell. 
mm-hmm. there was no way for Canadians that we had at that moment. Maybe Quadriga did offered it, but we had we didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. We had no way to sell, so we were simply buying, wow. knowing that we're going to be getting this and putting it on a wallet and holding it. So that was it was like a one way trip at that point. And now it's you can do whatever you want with it. Interesting. I still never sell. But, so. Sorry to cut you off there, but so I just got something you said sparked my interest. You knew that you were going to be buying it and moving it off the exchange right away. That was your plan right off the bat. Yeah. So we were buying Very it. Very interesting. And, who, and who, who, who influenced you to do that? Well, to, to buy it and move it off the exchange? Yeah. That I, I can't remember. That happened over time. Really? Uh, that okay. wasn't the initial. Initially, we bought, at least I did, I bought and left it on there. Okay, but over okay. time, then I moved it onto an exchange. I bought a hardware mm-hmm. wallet. Mm-hmm. and moved it off i can't remember who it is that urged me to do it but it was just mm-hmm. it was just advised for me and i took it took it to heart mm-hmm. and did it but it but, is a it is a slow process of doing that uh like right at first you know you keep it on on the exchange just to feel because it feels secure and you don't have to worry about it it's not like uh something uh, where you, you know even if you lost your phone you would still be fine because uh it's not um it's a it's a wallet under the exchange's control and not your own and then I guess, uh, what, what was it like? You, I guess, transferred a small amount to see if you could do it and then, and then a larger amount, uh, immediately after if it, once it went, or did you have to, did you wait a little while to see like what it was like to hold it yourself? No, I, I think I moved the whole thing. I didn't think much of it. I had mm. the information how to do it. I copied and pasted everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't think about the fact if I did it incorrectly, it would be lost forever. I, if I recall just doing it the whole uh, lot. And I'll be honest, it wasn't a great deal. So if mm-hmm. I lost it all, it wasn't going okay, okay. earth shattering, but mm-hmm. I still did it all. And um, yeah. it worked out well. I mean, since then, that's my I've been doing the same thing. Every time I buy Bitcoin now, mm-hmm. I tend to move it off the exchange and put it onto a hardware wallet and keep it like that. Cool story. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Now you got into, you said you got into it for the number go up technology, but you've stayed in it now for the, uh, like what, what it represents in terms of kind of like maybe the philosophical aspects of it. Am I, is that, is that getting it right? Like some of the kind of freedom maximalism, uh, <laughs> let's say ethos of it. The fact that you have to be a sovereign individual who takes care of yourself. The fact that it's an open network that is available for anybody to join that is, uh, permissionless nobody requires anybody else's permission to join in is this what you're talking about bang on so in my when i first got in it was during this 2017 run-up and i didn't know anything about it other than the fact that price was going up so i got in with the hopes that i would make some money out of this whole process but then shortly after that the price of bitcoin after hitting 20k over the next 13 14 months went down to 3k so it went from 20-ish K to 3K within, you know, a little bit over a year's time. So at that point, I became, I no longer became uh, a trader. I became an investor because I then was holding on. <laughs> yeah, but then yeah. over time, I learned Bank what it holder. is. And yeah, exactly. As you mentioned, all, all those details. And really what solidified and cemented myself with what is Bitcoin transpired since March 2020 mm-hmm. and how things um, has progressed with traditional finance how much money was being added to the markets within a short period of time with, I understand the, the rationale, but nothing comes free. There's a cost for everything you do and the cost mm-hmm. for this. Well, now you have more money chasing the same goods. And as mm-hmm. a result, price go up and mm-hmm. here we are <laughs> experiencing yeah. the draw, drawdowns of that. But yeah. not only that too, like I, in, until I would say 2021 until even the last year, I still had, a small inkling that gold might be a good place to put your money in in accordance, sorry, in, in conjunction with Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. But what really turned my turned me off the gold, there was uh, a ruling, two different rulings that took place. Russian gold was not allowed to be repatriated, and the same with Venezuelan gold. Both of them, both of those countries have their gold reserves held mm-hmm. in vaults mm-hmm. in London. And right. the courts in London decided through whatever means that whatever actions they did, I'm not justifying uh, their decision to to say that they can't get the gold, but it, it just goes to show you and uh, not your vault, not your gold. So <laughs> yeah. in this case, why aren't countries also going to be moving forward towards buying Bitcoin and adding it to their balance sheet? Because you have so much more control. So mm-hmm. gold in itself, like I can understand the store of value that it has. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's lost its luster on me. Just the fact that it's if you don't physically hold it, it's meaningless. Right. And in order to physically hold it, you need 
it, it like because it's so large it's so physical right you you need a massive place to hold it you, then you need security in order to make sure that uh you know it's, it's safe so it just fails on the aspect of being the money by mere fact that it's so hard to transport through through space mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bang on. Yeah. yeah so the sealability across space is definitely an issue with gold so that in conjunction with that if you don't hold it you don't truly own it so mm-hmm. if you don't hold it you don't truly own it uh and th- that really turned me off on gold altogether so i I'd still had a small part of my thinking that we should put into gold is a, a part of our net worth but at that point i decided it's just no longer a case. It's not feasible to do so. Bitcoin mm-hmm. has proven itself mm-hmm. many, many times over that it's much more valuable and much more usable than gold. And ditto with money. It's way more valuable and usable than, than say, the US dollar or Canadian dollar or name your currency. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot easier to to hold yourself, of course, and transport it. Of course, with, with gold, you you do, I mean, the amounts that like a regular person would hold of gold, perhaps the actual size of it would not increase that much, but ultimately because, uh, gold leads to centralization of power, it's the powers that be will control the mass majority of gold and they will control the price of it and, uh, and bring it down. So so at least that's, that's the argument that I've heard about, Uh, to be honest, I'm not that much of an expert, but through my research and the logic that I'm able to understand, this is kind of the conclusion I've come to as to why gold is probably not a good uh, way to uh, invest your money or at least yeah. to store your money, store your wealth. 100%. And manipulation of the markets is definitely mm-hmm. something you have to consider. You just you can't be blind to the fact that it is potentially manipulated by governments because they're the ones that hold the majority of the gold out there. But I'm not going to also say at the same time that the Bitcoin market is not being manipulated too. It's still relatively new. It's only 13 years old-ish, mm-hmm. not 13 years and five, six months. So mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things, it still is relatively young. And mm-hmm. so I, I think that even Bitcoin too, the market itself is being mm-hmm. manipulated, but that's, mm-hmm. that's something that doesn't really bother me whatsoever. So that's, uh, well, let, let's, do... oh, sorry, go ahead. Let's clarify that a little bit because what's, uh, I think what you're referring to is potentially like the price of it, uh, the price of it being manipulated due to uh, large holders being able to like uh, sell with like maybe uh, exchanges that offer high leverage and drive the price up and down uh, through a mechanism such as that. Uh, I think maybe possibly the reason why we can stomach that that level of uh, uh, like control over the price in Bitcoin as opposed to other assets is the fact that we know about the uh, the schedule of release for the for new coins of Bitcoin. That like is provable through the the code of Bitcoin, whereas in every any other market, the supply side is always a big question one question mark that no one knows about. Hundred mm-hmm. percent, yeah. So you, you could verifiably check to see how much was released today, yesterday, and they're averaging out around nine hundred a day. That's the goal that you're trying to achieve right now. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. Bitcoin miners mm-hmm. that they're that they're mining every day, mm-hmm. and so that that makes a lot of sense, and it makes you could understand the value of Bitcoin and everything mm-hmm. else. As you mentioned, you can't verify that to be the case. How much, mm-hmm. what's the the supply of M2 for the US dollar right now? I don't know. We can kind of guess, mm-hmm. guess but in exact mm-hmm. terms, we'll never know. No, and it's not possible. Th- this makes a huge difference because our lives, even though we're in Canada, we're still very much impacted with what happens in the United States. A lot of global global goods are settled with U.S. dollar oil, for instance, is settled with U.S. dollar. So, mm-hmm. yeah, why is oil thing. so expensive right now? Part of the reason is because the dollar's lost its value. Like, it, there, of course, there's always supply demand economics involved here. So, there's definitely a greater demand with what's going on in the world with you know Russia Ukraine war things like that. But uh, there's also, in addition to that, the whole part of the fact that there's all this extra money that was yeah. created out of thin air. With nothing yeah. to back it, <laughs> of course. Yeah, well, it's when gonna... you add so much within a short period of time, and also coupled with the fact that interest rates have been historically low, so near zero percent for the past few years, all those two things is a recipe for disaster. Janet Yellen came out this past week saying she didn't understand and couldn't have planned out that inflation would be so high. 
Can you just tell people who who are listeners of my podcast who probably don't know who Janet Yellen is? She's the, <laughs> she's the, the finance secretary of the United States. So she, she's got a very important position. She's also was the previous chair of the Federal Reserve. So she has held yeah. two very important positions that deal with finance. Not only that, she does a lot of speaking engagements that are very costly. So people or companies that do invite her also recognize the fact that she has a great deal of importance in the world of finance. For example, mm-hmm. Citadel had her come out a couple of years ago for a speaking engagement, $810,000 for one speech. That is incredible. So Wow. <laughs> good for her. I mean, I wonder if what I could the... do that, I would do the same thing. So I'm not going to uh, chastise her for doing that. If somebody's willing to pay it, all the more power to her, man. Good for her. I but wonder what I, the... I don't. I just don't believe what she's saying is truthful. The fact that she couldn't predict inflation to be so high, given all the data she had, get out of here. I'm just a pleb sitting in front of a wall with a few hats. I could have predicted it. She has all the tools in front of her and she could easily have. And she's got a world of experience way more than I do in the world of finance. So I don't buy what she's saying. She's she's either stupid or she's she's lying. lying one or the other. I think yeah. she's lying. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. Often it's a little bit of both, but definitely more on the lying side. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I totally agree. I wonder what the price breakdown is per word for the speeches she gave. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to know. But regardless of the fact, I mean, I have to give her kudos. She's the one that she got the money. And if, like I say, like, I'm not going to lay blame on all this on her. I talked about it in a, in our last podcast. She's just uh, sitting in a very important position. But it, it's a, a string of decisions over decades that led us to this point. It's not one person that made it that mm-hmm. got us to this mess here. It's just cumulative decisions, bad decisions, kicking the can down the road, exactly. dealing with four-year cycle, election cycles. It, there, there's no long-term plans. And mm-hmm. whatever it takes to get elected next time, that's all that happens. So like mm-hmm. Janet Yellen, I, I know I'm just blasting on her, but she, she's not. She's at the face of the problem. She's not the problem. She's part of the problem. And she's part of a very long lineage of it. So mm-hmm. I just want to just state it that she's not... Uh, I'm not targeting her, so so to speak. It's just she's in a position that this, she's sitting in a position that is easy for me to start throwing pot shots at. Well, yeah, when you're going back and forth between the private entity of the Federal Reserve and then the government Treasury Secretary, like it's some sort of revolving door, then you're asking for a little bit of a criticism. So I think that's well given. <laughs> yeah, and it, I, I'm still shaking my head at my head at the fact that she couldn't have predicted the high inflation. Get the heck out of here. <laughs> and I'm trying to keep my uh, language as clean as possible. <laughs> okay. You can swear on my podcast. <laughs> no, no, I respect your, <laughs> your show. My show, I, I, I go off on a tangent, but in yours, I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of going off on tangents, I feel we got, kind of got off on a tangent right off the bat. And I didn't really get to ask you about kind of like um, your humble beginnings Maybe you could just give us a quick background on like, where were you born? Uh, where did you grow up? Uh, what did you study in school? So I was born and raised in Toronto and um, just 10, a little bit over 15 years ago, I moved to Oakville and I'm currently here. What I studied, I initially went to college and did computer engineering technology. And then a few years later, I went to university, went to U of T for history as specialist and so nice. there's two, two totally different things, but yeah, uh, dope. I, ultimately I'm a history buff at heart. I love history. I love reading about it. Although yeah, yeah. I, I say that it is, and I'm, I apologize if I'm offending anybody. It's a BS degree. If you guys, it's hard really to do anything tangible with something <laughs> like that. But, um, That's hilarious. Like. That's hilarious. I have, a, I mean, I have a very similar story to you. I mean, I did a bachelor of science degree and I have a master of science as well. But then after that, I uh, just uh, didn't, I mean, I worked a little bit in the pharmaceutical industry, but didn't really have a passion for that and left it to be a personal trainer. That's fair. And find something that makes you passionate because then it's not really a job. It feels like a hobby. And every day you're waking up with a smile on your face because mm-hmm. you know what's in front of you is something mm-hmm. you'd like to do. Mm-hmm. Thank, but you'd think on, with a Bachelor of Science and a Master of Science, you, you would be able to get some sort of a, a I don't know, well-paying job in the in the field but like not in the canadian market <laughs> well and again if, if it's not something you like too it's gonna it's gonna drag you down and every mm-hmm. day it's gonna feel like a challenge just to get up and and try slugging it out 
But yeah, you're doing exactly. the right thing. You're doing something you like because that's essentially yeah. what we're doing too with the podcast. Although it's not our full-time job, it's really just a part-time job for us. Yeah, yeah. And we enjoy it. We really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So how long, how did you meet Joey? You guys been friends for a long time then? Well, we started working together. I didn't know him until I started working with him. And okay. I, so it's 2011 is when okay. I first met him. Uh, I think October 2011 when I started that job. And yeah, so since then, you know, we we chatted. I mean, we had same likes for the most part and the same goals and aspirations but yeah and so we've known each other for a little bit over a decade mm-hmm. and uh yeah and just it's it's been, it's been a good relationship between the two of us because uh he's mm-hmm. as you could tell a little bit different than i am <laughs> we're, mm-hmm. we're two different cats and uh, i think that works really well for our podcast too but he's still easy to to get along with even though we're slightly different he's he's like he's like water man he'll talk to anybody and chill out with anybody yeah, he's very just easy to talk to, very good listener, uh, welcoming kind of uh, demeanor, which is, which is of course, obviously nice to be around. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely. And it makes it a lot easier too in, in this type of industry because you have in the podcasting and, and Bitcoin industry because a lot of introducing, meeting people. And, and if you're a recluse, it's going to be hard to really flourish. And man, with him out there, he's helping me out a lot because yeah. he could carry the load in that respect. And <laughs> Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Do, yeah, because, you know, we're, as I said, we're two different cats. Yeah, everyone's got their own strengths. There's, I'm sure, things that you've got your strengths that he that is might be a weakness for him that you're picking the slack on and so on and so forth. Yeah, like I've said in a previous uh, interview, is going back some time, where my strengths and his strengths begin and where his and mine begin. So there's <laughs> a good, you know, we, we, there's not much overlap in terms of our skill set. So okay. that, that works out really well. So we're covering all bases. As long as we're all we're both firing firing on all cylinders, it, it's it's easy to to cover everything. So yeah, it's it's been a great relationship so far, and man, it, it's it's been so much fun. The, the, the podcasting thing, I can just say, it's just been a riot. Yeah, that's excellent. You guys are a cute couple, <laughs> and you've been working together <laughs> since. Uh, so the I was checking the the Bitcoin the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast started in March of 2021, so just uh, slightly over a year now. That's amazing. Congratulations um yeah what what's what's that been like uh tell us a little bit about that why did you guys decide to start the podcast first of all let's start there so that's a good question um joey had prior to this king bitcoiners podcast he had two podcasts that he run when he still runs one of them called two whites and one blue and so he's had some podcasting experience and each of the two podcasts we previously ran it's just more of just a, a hobby more than anything else and the second podcast it's um Noshiega podcast. So he, when he goes to Oshiega, he, he t- talks to the people there. And so he, he's got That's a little amazing. bit of podcasting his, history. So, uh, so he's been looking to have somebody join him to do a Bitcoin podcast for some time. And he's been querying Manny Monero. Uh, I mentioned him earlier. He was hoping to get him on board, but mm-hmm. uh, he always fended off those, those challenges and never really accepted it. And then just, you know, spur of the moment, I said, you know what? I'll give it a shot. Let's do it. And he accepted it. And here we are today. And so basically that gauntlet was thrown a week or two before we recorded our first episode. Mm-hmm. We set a date where we recorded the first one. Um, and then, you know, we figured out the time, uh, the name of the podcast through all the time, through that period of time, mm-hmm. his wife was able to, to do the art or mm-hmm. um, our logo. And we ran it from there. And it's, it's, it was growing pains because the first three episodes for certainly the second episode was the worst but over time it got better we were feeling our way through especially myself i didn't have any podcasting experience so i had nothing to draw from it was i was learning on the job so to speak and yeah. joey was very good at what he did but still figuring out the rapport between each other it took mm-hmm. some time and cool. now we could kind of figure things out even without saying anything just without communicating verbally we were able to figure stuff out what we're thinking what's going to happen next but back then we didn't have that type of, of experience and that luxury. So we were just kind of learning it on the fly. So don't listen to our first two or three episodes. They're pretty bad. <laughs> okay. You've turned into an old married couple. Now you can read each other's minds. You're just like <laughs> finishing each other's sentences. It's, it's yeah. Listen to the latest one. Not the, <laughs> not the in old terms stuff. of the old married couple, because some of our episodes we call nooners. Yeah. The, yeah. One, the interviews when we don't have an interview schedule, because right now we have a, our schedule is we do two episodes a week. We do our main episode on Monday nights. We record live on YouTube. 
And then we try to have an interview Wednesday afternoon slash evening, again, live on YouTube. Sometimes interviews don't pan out for a number of different reasons. And on those days, we don't have an interview, so we call it a nooner. And uh, Joey always talks about it being a dead bedroom and uh, we're just (laughs) doing stuff like that. It's pretty funny stuff. We we have a lot of fun doing the podcast. It's always tongue in cheek. So yeah, I mean, I I hope it, it, it shows off that we're just couple of guys having fun more than anything else but still there's mm-hmm. a lot of work we put into it so it's uh it's work and fun at the same time yeah yeah now just going back to your um yeah i kind of skipped over this a little bit i asked you about your background the reason why i wanted to do that was to kind of frame as to kind of how you were able to approach bitcoin and why you were able to have that aha moment and see as to the importance behind it and how it could have an impact on on your life in the future for everybody. So could you kind of like maybe describe it a little bit like, yeah, you went and got into it for the number go up technology. And then what was like the first couple things that you were learning about it that that really caught your attention and made, made you think, okay, this is more than just investing. The number of 21 million being the hard coded cap, that's Mm -hmm. massive. But one of the big things about Bitcoin, it, it took me a little bit of time and I didn't initially, I didn't find this out. I mean, truly understand it till even, I guess, late 2020 was the adjustment rate. So every two weeks, mm-hmm. the uh, difficulty adjustment takes place. So it, it tries to make sure that the blocks are mined at 10 minute intervals. Yes. That's ingenious. Mm-hmm. And that is one one of the things that makes Bitcoin Bitcoin. So you just mm-hmm. can't simply throw in a whole bunch of new miners out there and take over uh, and mine more Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. within two weeks time, it's going to adjust itself and mm-hmm. it's going to level th- things out. It's, that's ingenious. Mm-hmm. So those type of things, um, the adjustment period and the the hard money limit, those are the two yes. things that really made me like my eyes open up, especially the hard money limit or mm-hmm. the hard limit of 21 million. Yeah. When I learned that shortly after what happened with March, 2020 and, and they're inflating the, the money supply mm-hmm. in every country out there. I'm not going to say it's just Canada. It's, this is, yeah. It was across the board. This, this was just um, the way just, everybody was doing business. I just saw a stat for the country of Turkey. They had inflation over one year of 75%, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's insane. Their interest rates are, are also much higher too. And I mean, I'm not trying to justify it. Their interest mm-hmm. rates, I think, are 15 to 25%, somewhere in there. I saw it recently. So it is rather high, um, their, their um, interest rates, but inflation, they, they're getting rocked, absolutely rocked. Yeah, it's not doing anything. It's like you're standing in front of a tsunami. You're not going to do anything. (laughs) And the people that are suffering the most are the commoners. The people that have means, they're going to find ways to park their money elsewhere. They'll either buy hard assets like uh, domestic Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. foreign land, or they'll Mm -hmm. try to get the hardest currency out there, which is Mm -hmm. um, U.S. dollar. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I would say Bitcoin, but I'm talking just like in the general sense. Perceived, yeah. So they will do that. So the people that don't have the ability to buy U.S. dollars or buy hard assets, they're screwed. 73% gone within one year. And that's just the official rate. Who knows what (laughs) officially what it is, like, you know, what it is in reality. So the people that are on pensions, the people that are living on, you know, almost paycheck to paycheck, they're done. They are done. In Canada, we just got a statistic recently that a sizable amount of the population in Canada are skipping meals now because of the cost of just eating is too wow. much. I imagine the same thing is happening in Turkey, but a much mm-hmm. higher level. It's, yeah. it's unsustainable, 73%. That's nuts. Yeah, and and that's a good point about that. That That's just what's reported because uh, there is, um, you know, I, I think if this was on Twitter that I that I uh, read the statistic and somebody had commented that Turkey is the only country telling the truth about their inflation. And then there was a Turkish person who responded under that. It's like, this is still not the truth. It's even worse than 75%. <laughs> That's incredible to think about. And yeah. that, that is crippling to an economy. That is crippling to people that have their savings in cash mm-hmm. or in the mm-hmm. Turkish lira. That's mm-hmm. insane. And I feel sorry for people like that. It's no fault of their own. It's just somebody else or a group of people made decisions. It's really the president. He's a, a real... Um, special person uh he's the one that's controlling everything and the people and the commoners they're suffering and they have yeah. no way to recover after this what do you do after your currency has been wiped off 75 percent after a year what do you do like you're stuck mm-hmm. it's, yeah. i feel bad for them and i mean that's turkey today but that's going to be many other countries uh, in in the next decade basically 
yeah, Sri Lanka is they recently defaulted on their debt, and it's going to take months before they're able to settle to make any settlement arrangements with the IMF. So between now and then, the Sri Lankan rupee is going to take a real dive, and it's already took a, a kick to the teeth. So it's going to get even worse, and mm-hmm. it's it's really sad what's happening over there. They mm-hmm. used to be a net exporter of rice just because the land is fertile in such a way that and mm-hmm. the way that the growing season is they used mm-hmm. to grow way more rice than they needed. It's changed. Now they're a net importer. They have to wow. import rice. How sad is that? Like, yeah. it's just poor policy got countries to this point. And mm-hmm. I, again, it's the commoners that are suffering the most. It's people mm-hmm. on, on the streets that just are just regular folk. And yeah. they're never going to recover. It's just basically lost a generation right there. It's too bad. Yeah. Now let's drill down on this a little bit because um, some people I talk to, some of my friends, when I explain the whole hard cap situation and how that's a net positive, uh, they come back at me and say that 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 doesn't make any sense. They think they say that perpetual two percent inflation is is the right way. That's what they've been taught. That's what they've been told. Like, why did you come to the conclusion that? we need a hard cap is was there something maybe your your history your history background like what was it so nothing with my formal education helped me decide this it's just over time i have formed the opinion that just having two percent inflation and i thought it was good <laughs> for a very long time just doesn't make sense it's not sustainable by having that if you examine the price of say the u.s dollar since the inception of the federal reserve the price of the u.s dollar has lost its value 95%, give or take. And the Federal Reserve uh, came into effect 1915 and 20, 1920, around there. Right before World, World War I. over 100 years. 95% of the value of the dollar has been lost. And one of the, the things that the, US, the Federal Reserve is trying to achieve is to maintain the, the, the value of the dollar, maintain purchasing power. It's failed. It's failed miserably mm-hmm. in this regard. So 2% inflation over time does not make sense because you are forced to find mm-hmm. other means to to keep your wealth. You're either going to have to buy homes, but mm-hmm. there's only going to be so many homes out there. If they go put your money in the market, but markets go up and down. And even then you have to play it, play mm-hmm. it right. So mm-hmm. it's not a level playing field when, you, when you're dealing like this. And also the people that are closest to the money printer, the ones that have mm-hmm. access to the cheapest interest rates, they're the ones that are going to have the, the biggest impact. They're the ones that are going to have mm-hmm. the biggest advantage. People mm-hmm. like you and I won't have that. It's mm-hmm. unfair. So mm-hmm. having when you eliminate all that, when you just have a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin, mm-hmm. you don't have all these problems. It makes so much sense. Whatever you make, you earn, and it should be worth tomorrow what it is worth today. I like that. That's the way it should mm-hmm. be. So mm-hmm. this is what drew me in, and it's going to keep me here for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Like with just with two, even with just two percent inflation, if we have a steady state of two percent inflation. Over, I think I did the math one time, it was 33 or 34 years, you've lost half of the purchasing power of your money. Yeah. That's insane. Why would you, like, if, and this brings me back to the event you and I uh, attended, like, uh, last week, where it was the, uh, one of the panelists who was talking about his father making a weekly surplus income of, like, something like 400 bucks. And he was like, why is it that, if he didn't invest it into anything and just kept the cash, that value that he could earn at that time has has all deflated away, and now he can't he can't cash that back to get the same value to to uh, you know meet his needs that now he requires now that he's older. Like yeah. it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and and how do you explain to that person? Sorry, Mister, I know you worked your whole life to save this money. And unfortunately, you're not going to be able to make ends meet as a result of stupid decisions by somebody else. That that goes back to where you have a few people that can control what's happening with the finances out there. You, you don't want to have it in such a way that people can control it. You want to take that power away, put it in software, hard code it, and then mm-hmm. you don't have any potential manipulation. Mm-hmm. You don't have any potential giving your friends an unfair advantage. You don't mm-hmm. have these people that are older that are forced to go back to work because mm-hmm. they can't make ends meet. And by the way, that was Nick from Your Life, Your Terms podcast. He's part of the Rockstar Real Estate Company. He's a yes. real nice guy. Yes, he's uh, he was a great guy, great guy to talk to uh, like uh, after the event as well when we had some drinks. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I appreciate the fact that he uh, kind of paid for everybody's drinks too. What a what a jerk you are, Nick. <laughs> you are such a jerk. <laughs> yeah. 
gem of a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, so he, he's a, he's a good guy. Listen to his podcast if you have a chance. Your your life, your terms. They, they do really good stuff, and they 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 actually interview quite a few interesting people, like Lynn Alden. They had not too long ago, Greg Foss, not too long ago. Oh, so. amazing! Okay, yeah, that would be really, a good podcast to check out for sure. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, what you're talking about is like rules, not rulers, right? We don't want rulers who will change the rules at the whim of their feelings and emotions or whatever they think is right. No, we just have to decide on rules that work and then stick to those rules. And once we have that stability, we can grow from that stability and 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 be able to build something that can last a long time. Yeah. That, that's yeah. how I see it. Yeah. And that's why a lot of these other altcoins where they are they are termed something else. I'm being very kind of my they're called shit that. coins or scam you, coins. Scam coins. I like word. scam coins because they're just scams. So a lot of them, you really don't know what is the maximum supply. I'm looking at UETH. And also you have a collective group of people, the people that were part of the, the creation project process, the VCs or the developers, a whole bunch of people. Uh, they have also pre-mined a lot of this too. So they they have a vested interest for this to go up. And as they do mm-hmm. so, they'll dump on the market and make their money and go mm-hmm. somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these altcoins, they just, all the altcoins, they're mm-hmm. all scams in my opinion. Mm-hmm. What we have yeah. here with Bitcoin is something very unique. Satoshi created something. The Genesis block, the first block that was created cannot be sold. Anything after that, anybody else was able to mine. There was Mm -hmm. no advantage that Satoshi had. It was released to the world. Anybody else Mm -hmm. could mine it. It was absolutely fantastic that it was done in this respect. Hasn't been repeated since and never will. So I don't trust anything else. I just trust Bitcoin. This is a very important point. Thank you, Len, is that the distribution of Bitcoin to people is the most fair model of the distribution of any of the cryptocurrencies uh, because all the other ones basically had what you called a pre-mine where a select group of individuals got to have a large portion of the initial initial sorry stash of coins and then they released it to the market to retail investors who then potentially with the idea of maybe that they skip that they lost uh, that lay they lost out on bitcoin and that ship is sailed i need to i need the next train putting money on 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 these new coins that come out not knowing that when um, the price goes up a little bit, the initial pre-mine investors will dump all their large shares, bringing the price almost down to zero. Yeah. And a lot of these altcoins too, you have to really dig. A lot of them have a PR budget. So they are out there pumping up their, their coin, their token. Bitcoin does not have a PR team. We don't have direct, we have nothing. It's just a bunch mm-hmm. of people that are doing this together. This is a grassroots movement. And these are the type of things that usually have the most success over time because you don't have a group of people that are pulling mm-hmm. strings and trying mm-hmm. to direct everything. Mm-hmm. People are voting with their wallet. And it's it's an absolutely wonderful system to see how it's been flourishing for the past few years. If you don't like Bitcoin, Fork it, do something else, but it's going to fail in the end. Mm-hmm. We like Bitcoin. We know what it's all about. It's not about scams. Mm-hmm. The people that get in first, mm-hmm. those are the ones that are probably going to have the mm-hmm. biggest advantage because they're getting in at a point where it's going to be cheapest. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to stop you from coming in later. Mm-hmm. There's anybody's on, on board. Our friends, at, we, we use the term friends and enemies in our show. Bitcoin is for friends and enemies. We can't stop anybody from using it. It's open to everybody. It's accessible to everybody. And the doors are always wide open. Welcome into the Bitcoin world if you want. And if not, have fun staying poor. <laughs> well, yeah, just to make it a little bit more positive, we'll just say uh, you'll find Bitcoin at the at the price you deserve. <laughs> exactly. That's another one. Exactly. So you'll buy in at the price you deserve. Mm-hmm. And if anybody's thinking about buying into Bitcoin relatively soon, uh, not financial advice, but one thing you should always consider is just buying small amounts over a periodic period of time, maybe once a day, once a week, mm-hmm. once a month, whatever it is, mm-hmm. buy in slowly, buy in. And that mm-hmm. way you get a little bit of exposure and then you learn about more about it. And mm-hmm. if you want to buy more of it later on, you can, but mm-hmm. coming in at the onset, just get something that is small enough that you can sleep well at night, no matter what happens with the price of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. One nuance I'll add to that is sometimes um, 
sometimes people say a, a good way to do it is if you have a set amount of money that you want to invest, what you can do is you can split it in half and one half you invest right away. And then the second half you do the dollar cost average that you're yeah. describing. Yeah. Do it over a period of time. And that, that way you can kind of see how things progress over a period of time. And mm-hmm. if things go down, at least you're not kicking yourself in the mm-hmm. rear end and things go up. Well, mm-hmm. you made a decision. So mm-hmm. at least you're buying on, you know, what's going mm-hmm. up, but that's the way to do it. And mm-hmm. what one person said, Braden Dennis from the Canadian investor podcast, he's getting more on board on Bitcoin. He hasn't been a, a big Bitcoiner until, and he's still not a big Bitcoiner, but he, he acknowledges what it is and what it's mm-hmm. all about. Mm-hmm. Even he says it's, foolish to be on zero you have to mm-hmm. put a, something into it because you have to acknowledge the fact there's a future here you may not put it 100 maybe not 50 percent, but a small portion of your mm-hmm. portfolio should be bitcoin related because this thing it's got wheels and it's going to just go nuts in the next little while and you don't want to be left behind so don't be on zero buy mm-hmm. a little bit but enough that makes you feel comfortable that's really the the only advice i could say but still it's not financial advice <laughs> Always well, that, I, I oh wanna... my god this is financial advice um, no! <laughs> get off no, zero <laughs> heck no it's definitely not financial advice because i, I don't want to get sued for anything listen, that may i'm a personal me. trainer i know what i'm talking about <laughs> if you listen to my to my advice as a person to my financial advice as a personal trainer that's on no. you <laughs> but nonetheless it's more risky to have zero bitcoin than it is to have some so yeah, you, get up zero in fact we see countries that are doing that right now el salvador last year we just passed a one-year anniversary that they announced that they are going to be buying bitcoin and they started buying bitcoin the day after labor day 2021 the central african republic has announced very recently very recently that they're going to be buying bitcoin although i have some real reserves about that one but mm-hmm. i'll give them the benefit of the doubt for now tonga has publicly stated that they're going to be adopting Bitcoin as a currency later this year, once they pass all the hurdles, the regulatory hurdles and legal hurdles over there. And there's going to be other countries doing the same. Mm-hmm. Look at the writing on a wall. This thing is mm-hmm. taking off and you don't want to be left behind because if mm-hmm. you, these countries that are doing this, they have the least to lose, but the most to gain. Absolutely. Think about that. If they're doing this, if, they, if they're trying to find ways to elevate themselves on a financial level and get away from the, the shackles mm-hmm. of the IMF and the World mm-hmm. Bank, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that means something. These they have some smart people behind them doing the, the thinking and running the numbers. If they're buying Bitcoin, you should do the mm-hmm. same. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I learned about El Salvador adopting Bitcoin, I didn't know at the time that they were a dollarized country, which for those who don't know what that means is they don't have their own currency and they're simply dependent on the US dollar as the currency that makes the economy work in their country, which is crazy to think about. I never even realized, but it makes sense once you once you think about it a little bit. Uh, but now they're re- relying on a currency that is controlled by a government that has no interest in the people of that country. So of course it makes sense to switch over to Bitcoin, this kind of neutral asset that that doesn't rely on trust or is trust minimized anyway. And that's going to be a trend that continues more and more as uh, more of these uh, nothing to lose countries (laughs) see the uh, opportunity to, uh, you know, you know, like you said, being the first ones in there, you're going to reap the most benefits. So uh, there's going to be a race. Yeah. So El Salvador, just to give a little bit of history here, they used to have their own currency called the Colon, I think it was called. They ditched it in 2001 and went to hundred percent with the U S dollar. And this is really not uncommon. A lot of other South American, Central American countries do the same. And even around the world, a lot of other countries do that because it just makes sense is their currency collapsed and, mm-hmm. and nobody has any faith in the, the local currency. So they do hundred mm-hmm. percent business in the U S dollar. And so they're running right now, a hybrid system where you could exchange goods and services with either Bitcoin or the U S dollar in El Salvador. So that gives you an option. You're not forced to use Bitcoin, but it gives you the option. You can use it if, if need be. And it's showing that there's, I would say it, it's the success of what's happening in El Salvador. It's, marginal i mean it's it's certainly it's it's measurable but it's not a uh, runaway success and which success are you talking about sorry what are you talking about with regards to success what metric well i, I would say the fact that they bought in at i think their dollar average for buying bitcoin is in the low 40s and you know right now we're sitting 
between 30K. 29 and 32. So they, yeah. they're sitting under they're underwater with that purchase. Eventually, they're hoping it's going to go up. But mm-hmm. on the flip side, though, things are, are going well. Um, tourism has gone up since right. last year. But then I'm going to use the, the argument that things as a whole have been opening up. So is this just result of the world opening up or is it a result of them adopting Bitcoin? I'd like to get some more answers to that. Remittances mm-hmm. has gone up. That's a country that I think it's 30% of their GDP is remittances. Mm-hmm. And um, having now a more streamlined way mm-hmm. of doing remittances, it's definitely going to help out their GDP. So mm-hmm. that's it's definitely, it's a, a huge positive for them. So they're not relying on organizations like the mm-hmm. um, Western Unit, Western Union or something mm-hmm. like that, where they take a slice of the pie every time you send something with Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. It's it's done quicker, and whatever is sent out, um, almost the whole thing is sent. It, the recipient receives just minus the minor fees, which yeah, would be the minor fees are very very small. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at times it could get a little bit more costly. But it's never gas fees style, like we're you know 150 mm-hmm. bucks or whatever it is on the Ethereum side. What a scam mm-hmm. that is! <laughs> what a joke. But yeah, so with respect to El Salvador, um, yeah, there's some positives, but certainly there's some negatives too, and. We just have to understand that it's it's an experiment right now, and mm-hmm. uh, I have my fingers crossed it works out well in the end. Because mm-hmm. if it does not, mm-hmm. it's going to set back the whole adoption of a Bitcoin adoption of Bitcoin mm-hmm. cryptocurrency. It will set that back some time mm-hmm. because who's going to want to do it next after that? Mm-hmm. Well, I was, I was speaking to uh, one of the other folks we met on on Wednesday who had been to El Salvador, and from what he was talking about, his report seemed very positive. And I mean, also that with regards to the tourism numbers, from what I've seen, obviously I can't verify these numbers, but the increase in tourism is at, is a greater rate than it was before. So it's not necessarily that it could only be attributable to the fact that things are opening them up, up, but the, there's way more people going in there. And like uh, there, I, I can't remember the numbers now, but there was some article mm-hmm. about millions of hundreds of millions of dollars brought in through tourism, which is a, uh, very positive news for the, for that country. And also there was the CNBC article. I remember about how they were estimating that there'd be something like $300 million worth uh, of savings from the, from the uh, fact that they won't be using third parties like Western union when they send remittances into the country on an annual basis. That's a whole bunch more money that's coming into the country and it's going to be spent. That's, that's Mm -hmm. called a hard currency that wasn't there initially. Mm -hmm. And now it's going to be there to circulate within the economy. So that's, that's massive. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'll, with all the, it's, it seems rather good. I also like to follow on um, Twitter Jaime Garcia, and we mm-hmm. had him on our so on our show before. Mm-hmm. He's uh, initially from El Salvador, but he's moved, since moved to uh, Saskatchewan. But he still has he gives a lot of perspective what's going on in El Salvador, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I'd recommend anybody to follow him on Twitter mm-hmm. because he's a he's a great follow. He knows what's mm-hmm. going on there, mm-hmm. and, and he gives um and. Uh, his opinion on how things are progressing, mm-hmm. especially with, with respects to President Bukele. So mm-hmm. yes, that's my recommendation. Yeah, and just maybe give us a teaser. Does he give a more sobering kind of perspective, like less uh, less positive? I, I think his is very neutral. And okay. it's, if you whatever you hear from Bukele is obviously going to be planted for pro Bukele stuff. Mm-hmm. I like the way Jaime Garcia talks about Jaime mm-hmm. is very just he lays it out what it is. Mm-hmm. I don't think he he's um, biased in his opinion. Mm-hmm. And I respect him for that. He, he mm-hmm. seems very level-headed, and mm-hmm. he, I don't think he's got much to gain to say if he's pro or against Bukele. He's just mm-hmm. saying it how it is. Mm-hmm. And, Bukele's yeah. the president of El Salvador, by the way. Probably most, yeah. my, most of the people who listen to my podcast have no idea. <laughs> so President Bukele is a really charismatic individual, young guy, and he's the guy that that brought on Bitcoin as a, a currency. He's the one that spearheaded it in El Salvador. So there's mm-hmm. a special connection between he and Bitcoiners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. I think we've covered a lot. I did want to talk to you a little bit about mining, but I feel like we're, we're like, a, we've approached an hour here. So let's uh, maybe save the topic for another time because uh, this is awesome. So I would like to just like continue having more conversations like this. <laughs> <laughs> no problem at all. If you want me to have me back on this show, I'll be happy to come back on and talk about anything you want, mining, podcasting, you name it, I'm there. Amazing, Len. You are actually a legend. Thank you so much for coming on on the Jmart cast. Looking forward <laughs> to for another conversation me. soon. I'm the chief mining officer, sorry, chief renting officer. I got yeah. the, the the name from um, Ben Gagnon from Bitfarms. He's the chief mining officer of 
Bit Farms, and we had him on our show. And I thought, man, that's a great title. So I'm going to take Chief Mining, not Chief Ranting Officer. So I kind of ripped it off from him. So it's not original. So, mm-hmm. But thank you for having me on the show. Dude, it's been great. Talk soon. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to the end. If you want to reach out and talk some more about Bitcoin, you can always tweet at me at jmartfit or message me on Instagram. Same thing at jmartfit. There's also the email option. Send an email to newsletter at jmartfit.com. Otherwise, till next week, stay active, be grateful, jmart out.